0: Alright, good morning Aggie fans and welcome to another episode of the Sports Desk Podcast, the official podcast of the Utah Statesman. I'm your host Parker Ballantyne and I will be alone on the show today. Jacob Nielsen is not able to to be here. Um, Aggies lose a tough one down in Provo, the first road loss of the year uh, for men's basketball and football combined um, as the Aggies fall in Provo. 82-71 to in a game that was really never competitive, Um, got close in the second half at some point, but was not uh, a good game for the Aggies, a tough one for sure. So we will be talking about that, and while we're at it, we'll be looking around the conference and around our schedule to see what lies ahead, what's behind us, and what those teams have done and what they're doing. Um, because it's all about March resumes, and this one's definitely a game that's going to hurt that resume. So uh, let's jump right in. Let's talk about that game. There's not much to talk about other than free throws, turnovers, and BYU just not missing shots. It's tough, but it is what it is. BYU was not missing. We'll start with that. They shot 26 for 52 from the field for 50%. Um, but from three-point, they shot 11 of 24, good for 45.8%. Um, and both of those just felt so much higher. They were hitting shots when they needed to. They were hitting big shots. Um, and they would go on, um, go on runs where they would just score um, you know, 7 to 10 points in a row and just really bury the Aggies. Um, Utah State, for their part, actually shot 26 of 50 from the field. And that's good for 52%. So percentage-wise, we actually shot better from the field. But from three-point, we only shot 10 of 26. And that is good for 38.5%. So they definitely buried us in three-point shooting. Uh, We'll talk about it later as well. But free-throw percentage, we shot 45% from the charity stripe. Quite frankly, that could be the only number we talk about today. Um, If you're going to shoot 45% from three, from the line, you are not going to win very many games, and you're not going to beat a team that's ranked 24th in the country. You're just not. Um, You have to shoot better than that. Um, Terrible, terrible uh, free throw shooting tonight uh, that we'll get to, but... Um, back to BYU's shooting. They were lights out. They shot from the free throw line, by the way, 86%, but a great shooting percentage from the BYU Cougars. Um, in the first half, they took a 45-33 to 33 point lead, which they carried into the second half and basically held for the entire second half. A 12-point lead at halftime. The game was decided by 11 points. Uh, It really stayed at about 10 points for Utah State, a 10-point deficit for Utah State for what felt like a majority of the game. Uh, Like I mentioned before, they did cut it to 7 briefly in the second half, um, but it wasn't for long um, before BYU got it back to 11 or 12 and and sat right around there for the entire game, so BYU just taking a double-digit lead and really not letting go of it for the whole game. So as I mentioned, a quick scoring summary. 33-45 to 45 in the first half, Utah State scoring 33 to BYU's 45. In the second half, Utah State stayed pretty consistently, improved slightly on offense, um, picking up 38 points. Um, And holding BYU to 37, so Utah State winning the second half by just a point obviously wasn't enough as we lose by 11 after a 12 point deficit at the half. So 38 points in the second half, 37 for the Cougars, and the second half I will say just looked a lot better than the first. Um, obviously we, we won the second half, so had we played like that for two halves, we, we probably would have won. The numbers say we would have won by two. Um, but BYU in that first half was shooting lights out. And so it kind of was a little bit of the opposite of what we faced with St. Mary's, where St. Mary's was shooting at such a low clip that we knew it couldn't be sustainable and that they would end up shooting better It was the exact opposite with BYU. They went into halftime really, really hot. We knew they couldn't sustain, um, and we were able to capitalize on it a little bit in that second half. We weren't able to capitalize on that enough as BYU came back to earth with their shooting, but it just wasn't enough in the end as they obviously still get the win. So uh, let's take a look at um, some of those other numbers. Like I said, the big glaring haunting number for Utah State was free throw percentage. They shot 45% on free throws, which is not a number that is acceptable really on any level. That's going to be a huge point of emphasis in practices coming up um, before we play New Orleans. And then of course, we're just a couple weeks away from conference play. That's something that's got to be cleaned up by the time we get to conference play. Uh, No way for that to be continuing if we're going to want to win games, especially in conference or against uh, Iowa that we have coming up, uh, Weber State that we have coming up, for example. Weber State, by the way, uh, we'll talk about it. They're having a really good year, probably the best start that they've ever had at that program uh, is what it's looking like. So big games for Utah State coming up that you can't shoot 45% free throws in. Um, By the way, we're not dealing with a particularly small sample size on this. Utah State took 20 shots from the free throw line and made only nine of them. Like I've said, there's no way that's acceptable. Um, BYU shot a similar number of free throws. They shot 22, so only two more than we did. But they hit 19 of them. So there's a 10-point difference in almost identical opportunities that broke in favor of the Cougars because they were hitting their free throws and we weren't. Um, Hitting 9 out of 20 is leaving a lot of points on the table. You really should be hitting closer to 18 uh 17 through 19 really on 20 free throws. Um so about 10 points that we are leaving on the table in those in those shots. I mean you look and it's it's eleven missed free throws that most of those need to be going in. So huge, huge problem for the Yaggies. Um luckily for Utah State and for the team, it's not something that I've seen before. It's not recurring. Um just a fluke of a night, hopefully. It's a big game. It's easy to get caught up in the excitement of things. So I'm hoping that's what happened tonight against BYU and we will be ready to shoot from the free throw line at a high clip for the rest of the season. uh, Especially once we get into conference play. Speaking of conference play, we are getting to the point where we're going to have to pretty much run the table in the conference if we want a decent at-large resume. Uh, come March because we have lost now two of two of our big games that were great opportunities to boost that resume, make up for that loss early on against UC Davis, and we've now missed two opportunities in a row, going 0 and two in the West Coast Conference gauntlet that we had uh, with those back-to-back games against St. Mary's and BYU. So, um, we're getting to the point where we're gonna have to take care of business. We're gonna have to really knuckle down, beat the teams we're supposed to beat. Um. And then run the table in the conference. I'm not sure we can afford another out of conference loss, um, that's going to be difficult with a team like Iowa on the horizon. Um, but it means you have to go down to Ogden, beat the Wildcats. You have to beat New Orleans and Portland State at home, and then you got to get into conference play and really run the table. So that's what we're looking at now. Um, that's the situation that we're putting ourselves into. Losing games is a luxury that you have to you know you have to earn that. Uh, we haven't earned that. We. Lose two big games had we beat St. Mary's and BYU in back-to-back games. Had we not lost that UC Davis game, suddenly conference play looks a little bit easier. You can afford to drop a couple games because you have a stacked resume. Well, that's not what happened this year, so we are going to have to get into gear here pretty quick and uh, stop losing games because we want to be playing in March just like everybody else. The last thing I want to talk about uh, numbers-wise for Utah State that was really uh, really detrimental was turnovers, uh, especially those live ball turnovers. Live ball turnovers are what's going to kill you. Um, when I look at the numbers, I look at turnovers and that matters to me, but I tend to ignore turnovers, um, in lieu of live ball turnovers, which is uh, basically recorded as opponent steals. And here's why they're both important. It's just a little bit different. A turnover that is a dead ball turnover. The ball goes out of bounds, a foul, something like that. Um, Stops the play. The opposing team, in this case, BYU, has to inbound the ball. We get to go back and set up our defense. Um, It's bad because we're giving up a possession. We're giving up a scoring opportunity and giving them an additional scoring opportunity, um, which is obviously bad. They are not, however, as bad as opponent steals or live ball turnovers. Live ball turnovers are what kill you on in competitive games like this. We saw it last year a lot, especially in that Texas Tech tournament game last year. Live ball turnovers are, I think, a big part of why we lost that game. Lots of turnovers, lots of them were live ball turnovers. So what happens is the opponent steals the ball and suddenly it's a fast break opportunity where they're running down the court in transition and they're taking an open three, or an open layup, you're guarding from behind, you're often fouling a player at the rim, or you're forced into a two-on-one situation because you're struggling to get back on defense because you were just playing offense um, before they stole the ball, and suddenly they have a two-on-one, and they're throwing down a monster dunk and just been posterizing you, or they're uh, able to play around with you, and um, in situations like that as well, if it's a two on one and they let loose on a three, then they have a one on one or a two on one for the rebound, and they're going to go get that rebound and have a second chance. So guarding in transition is extremely difficult. That's why we talk about it so much. And avoiding opponent steals or live ball turnovers is how you can avoid playing in transition. So let's look at the turnover numbers and talk about why they were so bad because we did have a lot of turnovers. Not as many of them were live ball turnovers as you might think. We actually had more steals than they did. We ended up with 8 steals. They had 5, which means we had 5 live ball turnovers. But we had 17 turnovers total. And so, the thing with turnovers is, when you have that many, like we talked about before, that's 17 scoring opportunities that we gave to BYU. That we took away from ourselves and gave to BYU. And so we're going to circle back and talk about those turnovers, the total turnovers, and why that high number hurts. But first I want to talk about those five live ball turnovers. Um, It's sloppy. I don't think five is the worst that can happen. I mean, like I said, we had eight steals, they had five. Um, But it's sloppy. Giving the opponent five opportunities to run in transition and to play downhill is, is really dangerous, especially when you're playing a team who... Is really good. Uh, we're talking about a BYU team who is ranked 24th in the country. Um, I know a lot of us don't want to admit it, but they probably were the better team. You know that's why they won 82 to 71. Um, so when you're going up against a team who is as good or better than you, and they are playing at home, you don't want to let them get momentum. And when they get five steals and get to run the ball the other way and get to play in transition that much taking open threes and layups, drawing fouls at the rim, getting and one three-point opportunities that are you know, cheap three-point opportunities. You hit a layup and get fouled from behind because we're trying to play defense in transition. That's what gets the crowd going. That's what gets momentum on their side. And so when you're in an opposing arena, I think you have to try to keep that number down a little bit lower than five. I know five isn't as bad as it could be, but five is still a little bit bad for me. Now let's circle back and talk about total turnovers because I think there's something there as well. So we're going to do a little bit of math on these turnovers because like I said, the thing that hurts about a turnover is when you're taking away your own scoring opportunity. And then the thing that makes it even worse is giving a scoring opportunity to the opponent. We're only going to focus on one side of the equation on this. We're going to talk about lost opportunities on our own side of the ball. So what we're going to talk about is how many points that we left on the board with 17 turnovers in a game where we were shooting 52% from the field and 38.5% from three. So one thing that we have to look at is shot distribution. Utah State made this really easy for me doing the math, and they actually did it in a way that I really like, where they shot actually over 50% of their shots from three. That's huge. That's exactly what I like, and that's what I've been advocating for basically my whole life. I think 80% of your shots should be either taken at the rim or from three that's a different uh conversation piece though so uh 26 shots from three on 50 shots total which is like i said the right breakdown or at least going the right direction and here's where it gets interesting so in those 17 turnovers eight and a half we'll call it we'll call it 50 we'll call it 50 percent of our shots were coming for three just to make it easier on me so that means of those 17 turnovers Eight and a half of those would have resulted in a three-pointer. Eight and a half of those would have resulted in a two-pointer. From two, we were shooting 16 of 24, which is 67%. So if we got eight and a half shots on 67% shooting from two, that results in 11.39 points that we left on the board just from half our turnovers. The other half gets even crazier because that's the half that we would have taken as threes. So another eight and a half of those shots of those 17 turnovers would have resulted in a three-point shot of which we were shooting 38.5%, almost 39% from three. So another eight and a half shots shooting 39% on shots worth three points would have been worth 9.94 additional points. So just on turnovers alone, shooting the exact same shot distribution we were shooting with the exact same percentages we were shooting in this game, we left 21.33 points on the table. Over 20 points we left on the table because of turnovers. twenty Almost 21 and a half. Shooting the exact same percentage that we shot. On the exact same shots that we were taking. If we just extend the trends and the patterns of the night. Into those possessions that we gave up. Now if you wanted to get deep. You could look at what BYU was doing. With those 17 possessions on average. But I'll tell you this. Without even crunching the numbers. Because I don't want to. It was a lot. Because they were shooting. from two, and 45% from three. So they were converting possessions into points because they were shooting 45% from three, which is huge. That basically means that every time they take a three, they're scoring 1.37 points per shot. So per three-point attempt, they're scoring 1.37 points, which is a lot. That's just some, some basic math and you can kind of uh, gauge where they would have, you know, where they would have put those shots, but they were scoring almost a point and a half per attempt from behind the arc. So that's dangerous. Um, so that's that's why the turnovers are a problem. For me, the turnovers are a problem when it's a big number like that, and it becomes a problem. If it's a small number of turnovers, it's generally something I will ignore because it's just part of the game. Um, to me, it's a lot like other raw number statistics where I don't feel like they tell the full story when you could be looking at percentages or rates or ratios or things like that. I generally don't like raw numbers like that, but when they get that high, I think they tell a story. Um, it's like blocks. Last year, we would have Nemius Keda getting a lot of blocks, and blocks tend to be an opportunistic stat. You have to have somebody shoot on you to get a block, but when Nemius Keda gets like five-plus blocks a game, that becomes such a high number that it begins to tell a story, and the story then was that he's just going to block you no matter what you do. The story is here that we gave up an average of over 21 points on turnovers tonight because we were not taking shots on our possessions. We were ending our possessions early. We were giving them to BYU, and they were shooting really effectively. So that's that's the story that I think those numbers tell. By the way, BYU ended up with just 14 turnovers, so a little bit less than us. Um, on the turnover side of things, even though they did have more live ball turnovers where we had a few more steals than they did. So that's a story that I think is being told by those numbers, and that's why I think that turnovers was such a big deal. And you could see that in the game. You could see time and time again we were just making passes that weren't crisp. They were sailing out of bounds. They were uh, there were offensive fouls that we were committing. That, Like I said, if those end in a shot, well, if it was a three, we were hitting those at 38% tonight. And if it's a two, we were hitting those at 67% tonight. So the more shots, the merrier. That's that's the name of the game when it comes to basketball and uh, basketball analytics especially is the more shots you can take, the more likely you're going to hit more shots. And then within that, you want to take more efficient shots, which means shots at the rim that you're going to hit at a high percentage or shots from behind the three-point line that are worth more. So Utah State... 17 shots that they didn't take because they turned the ball over, potentially, according to the averages, could have been 21.3 points. That's a big deal. Um, Let's move on from that game. Let's look at some of the opponents that we have played in the past and that we are playing here in the near future because I think that is going to be very, very relevant now and in March. Um, And a lot of our opponents are doing some interesting things um, with their schedule. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun couple weeks uh, for Utah State basketball. Um, We will do this chronologically and we're only going to focus on the bigger opponents. We're not going to go back to that UC Davis game, even though it is probably relevant and it is going to be something that comes up in March. Um, We're going to skip that for now because there's some big things going on and some fun things going on. And I'd rather talk about that. Oklahoma is now seven and two as of the time I'm recording this podcast. We were, of course, their first loss of the season, and for a while we were their only loss of the season. After we beat them, they won three straight, including a win against UCF and then a win against 14-ranked Florida. After they beat the Gators 74-67, to they lost to Butler in overtime uh, 66-62. Butler is 6-3. and three on the season. Butler is one of those teams that we know the name. um, They have good years. They have a good program over there, but I'm afraid that they have some name recognition that maybe, not that they don't deserve it, but maybe they have a reputation um, that has outgrown them a little bit. Uh, Especially in the city of Utah, we are very familiar with one of their NBA products, Gordon Hayward. Um, I think everyone knows their, couple years of Cinderella stories in the NCAA tournament, and I'm afraid that we overestimate them a little bit. I don't think that's a bad loss for Oklahoma, but I don't know that it's a huge loss that you can just kind of overlook. I don't think that it's a good loss for Oklahoma. Would have loved to see Oklahoma pull that off. Um, They were well on their way to become ranked, I think, especially after beating that Florida team. But solid game for the Sooners there, um, falling just short. So they will continue on. They play number 12, Arkansas on the 11th, so here in a couple days, and then they'll actually play UT Arlington, a team that we've played. They'll play Alcorn State. Then they have a really good schedule. Um, After that, they have Kansas State. They have Baylor, who's number two in the nation right now. They have Iowa State, who's number 17 in the nation right now. Then they have Texas, who's number seven in uh, in the country right now. Um, they have TCU, then they have Kansas, who's number eight in the country right now, then they have Baylor again. So they're going to have a really tough schedule once they get into that conference. The Big 12 is a really good basketball conference. So um, they just have ranked opponents all up and down the schedule. So if Oklahoma can win some of those games, it's going to make us look real good. Uh, So we are definitely rooting for the Sooners to do that. Let's take a look at St. Mary's. They are on a tear as well. Um, Of course, losing to Colorado State the game after they beat us. They are still eight and two. Uh, They are first or tied for first, I think, in the West Coast Conference. I don't think it'll last. They have some notable wins. We've talked about the Notre Dame win. We've talked about the Oregon win. We've talked about the Wisconsin loss, which hurt them at the time. Um, And honestly, I think that that game against Utah State's a big win for them. I think they're proud of that win. I think that's going to help them in March. So hopefully they can do their part and win some games and help us look good as well. They play UC Santa Barbara. Then they play another Mountain West opponent, San Diego State. Uh, we don't necessarily want San Diego State to lose that game um, just because we want the conference to win, and either way, it it's a team that we will play. Um, so that's what St. Mary's is doing. Not quite the toughest schedule, uh, especially of the other teams that we've played. That will be a concern in March for the Gales. BYU, after beating us tonight, uh, yesterday, by the time this publishes. Um, sorry, I forget about the, the time travel there. Uh, regardless, the, B, the BYU Cougars are 8-1, and one. They have wins against San Diego State and Oregon. Oregon was 12th in the nation at the time. They have a win against Utah. They lost against Utah Valley in a awesome overtime game, 65-72. to 72. On the road, by the way, not that it really matters because Orem and Provo are the same city. Um, but then they beat Montana State. They beat Utah State. And they have a really tough schedule coming up. They have Creighton, which is a great basketball program. Uh, Another program that has that name recognition because they've gone on tournament runs. They've put players in the NBA. Uh, Solid program there in Omaha. Then they have Weber. uh, Local school that we will talk about in a minute because we play them. uh, Coming up here in a little bit. Weber is playing out of their mind right now. So that's going to be a tough game for BYU. Then they have USF. And then they basically get into conference play. They play um, Westminster in there as well somewhere. Now looking forward, those are the teams that we've played. And what they are doing and what they've done. Obviously, for the schedule and for our own benefits, we are rooting for Oklahoma. We're rooting for St. Mary's, and I know logically we should be rooting for BYU, but I just can't do it, and I don't care. I still hope they lose every game here on out, Um, but I, I do want Oklahoma and St. Mary's to look good. Looking forward, we have our good friends to the south. Um, the Weber State Wildcats out of Ogden, Utah. That's an away game, but Ogden is not far. If you can make it to that game, make sure you're there at the Purple Palace to support our Aggies. Also, uh, show a little love to Kobe McEwen, former Aggie who uh, left the program to go play at Marquette, has found his way back to the Beehive State and is playing for the Weber State Wildcats. Weber State is 8-1 right now, first in the Big Sky, and... Their only loss has come to Washington State, a Pac-12 team. They won eight straight to open up the season. And then lost to Washington State in a pretty big game, 94-60. to They just have one game before playing us. But looking forward, they have BYU, the game after us. And then they have another Mountain West team, Fresno State. That'll be at home as well. And then they, it looks like they get into conference play um, where they should run the table. Weber State has a great program, and uh, they they usually hold their own in the big sky. Hopefully they can run the table in the big sky and, again, make us look good. Also, Weber State's a program it's hard not to root for. Um, Our very own Jerry Bovey, assistant athletic director, came from Weber State. There's some good ties between us and Weber State. Um, No bad blood, and it's kind of fun to be at the top of Utah with them. After Weber State, our next big out-of-conference game, arguably our last big out-of-conference game, is against the Iowa Hawkeyes um, on the road, not in Iowa. It's in Sioux Falls uh, for another neutral site game. We've been doing a lot of those this this year. Uh, BYU is actually our first true road game of the season. Iowa is seven and two. Their only two losses are to Purdue and Illinois. Purdue was at the time the second best team in the country. They are now ranked number one. And Illinois, good basketball program. So as of right now, the only team that is ranked in the top 25 that is on our schedule, either past or future, is BYU. They are ranked in both polls, both major polls. They are 24 in the AP, which is kind of the general, the standard. Um, And then the coaches poll, they're at 23. Uh, We do have two teams on our schedule, one past, one future, that are receiving votes. Oklahoma is receiving 29 votes in the AP, the main one. Uh, They are receiving 7 votes in the coaches poll. Looking forward, we have Iowa. They are receiving votes in both polls as well. 12 votes in the AP, 13 in the coaches poll. The closest team in the conference to being ranked in the top 25 is Colorado State, the Rams. They are the first team out in both polls, receiving 90 votes in the AP and 79 in the coaches poll they're going to find their way in. Uh, they will probably be the first Mountain West team to do so. Wyoming is looking to sneak in as well. They are receiving a vote in the coaches poll. No attention in the AP poll quite yet. Um, but they, if they keep winning, they will, uh, they will receive some attention as well. And then just as a side note, Utah Valley is receiving a vote in the coaches poll, as is Weber State. They're receiving three, though. So Weber State receiving some uh, national attention. Um, getting some votes in the coaches poll. And that could be, like I said, a really big game um, that I hope we don't overlook here next week. Let's take a look at the conference standings because it's getting to be about that time of year as well. Um, Obviously focusing only on basketball because uh, in football, it's over, and Utah State won it all. We're the champions. I'm going to try to bring that up as often as I can for the next couple months because I can. Um but taking a closer look at college basketball um, is going be is gonna be super fun and I cannot wait to get into college basketball. Uh, let's take a look at the standings. Right now we have Colorado State at the top. They are 9 and O, as we've mentioned. They are going to be in the top 25. They're gonna get there probably sooner rather than later. I think they are probably just a game or two away. Especially with that win against St. Mary's, they have a win against Creighton. Um, they've had a great year so far. They they have, and they will continue on playing Montana State, Tulsa, and then number nine in the country, Alabama. After that, if they you know if they win those next three games, they will be ranked. I think they will be ranked by then, anyways. Um, Number two in the conference, we have the Wyoming Cowboys. Kind of the surprise of the conference so far. Although, let's not forget what the Wyoming Cowboys did in football just a few months ago when they started off super hot in the non-conference schedule and then completely came unraveled when it came time to play the, the conference. Personally, I hope that doesn't happen. I do like the Cowboys. I hope they have a good year. I hope we beat them every time we play them, and I hope they don't come anywhere near our conference title. But I, I am rooting for the Cowboys to continue to win. They are 8-1. and one. They're the team that is uh, probably going to get to the top 25 next after Colorado State, assuming both teams continue to win. Wyoming is 8-1 with wins against Washington. They beat Denver. Uh, They only lost to Arizona, 11 in the country at the time. They play UVU, they play Stanford, and then they get into conference play. So some good opportunities to prove themselves here before conference play. And as we've talked about and as you're picking up on, I'm sure conference play is going to be uh, pretty chaotic. We have a lot of really, really good teams in the conferences here, as we usually do. I wrote a piece on it recently-ish, I guess, for the Mountain West Wire about how competitive this league is all the time in basketball. And it's so fun, and it's going to be fun this year because we have, I think, a lot more teams and a lot more names fighting for that top spot. And some teams that I didn't think were going to, and I think that were overlooked in the preseason. We all knew Wyoming was going to be good. Did we know they were going to be this good? I don't know. I just don't know. We'll see. Um, Coming in behind Wyoming in the standings, we have... The Air Force Falcons at 7-2. Then we have Fresno State, also at 7-2. The San Diego State Aztecs, 6-3. Utah State at 6-3 as well. And then moving on, we have the Boise State Broncos and the New Mexico Lobos, each tied at 5-4. We have Nevada, the Wolfpack, currently sitting at a perfect 500, 4-4 on the season. We also have UNLV sitting at 5-5. which is a perfect 500, as are the San Jose Spartans at 4-4. We don't have a single sub-500 team in the conference, and that's huge for the conference. Um, I wish it could stay that way. It won't. Um, San Jose is going to get beat up on in the conference play. Um, There's just too many good teams at the top. Colorado State, Wyoming, Air Force, Utah State, Boise State, San Diego State, Fresno State. Those teams are going to beat up on the Spartans probably the unlv rebels as well nevada being that low is a little bit shocking to me i thought they would be over 500 Um, i'm sure they will be at some point uh unlv is in the middle of a rebuild they have a first year coach down there in kevin Kruger. he's a former unlv running rebel i think they're going to be good in the future i think they have a bright future ahead of them whether it's this year or next we will see New Mexico is in a very similar situation, currently sitting at 5-4. and four. They have a first-year head coach down there, a uh, team with a very storied Past and a bright future. Uh, it's just whether or not they can get it all together this year, or whether it's going to be a multi-year process. Or, of course, the opportunity is always to fall back into the doldrums and embrace mediocrity for a couple more years. That's always an option. I don't see it with the Lobos or the Rebels this year, um, or or any time in the future. Maybe the Spartans um, will uh, will kind of fall apart, and we'll see them settle to the bottom of the conference where they are usually uh, uh, sitting. And I think that's just about all we have for you today. Um, that's the standings in the Mountain West. I'm not sure there are many surprises there. Uh, maybe Wyoming coming in a little bit higher than you may have thought, uh, especially with who they've had on their schedule. Air Force maybe coming in a little higher than you've thought. Uh, they haven't played a particularly difficult schedule yet. Um, Fresno State, I think, you know, kind of right where they should be. San Diego State as well. They've played some tough teams. They have a win against Georgetown. Um, all three of their losses come to really good teams in BYU, USC, and Michigan. Both were ranked 24 at the time they met the Aztecs. Um, so no no bad losses for the Aztecs interesting little fact there actually BYU is currently 24 USC was 24 when they beat the Aztecs and Michigan was 24 when they beat the Aztecs so the number 24 in the rankings is not looking so good for San Diego State uh, so far this season Um, and then moving right down I think Boise State's about where they they should be Utah State is more or less where they should be. Obviously, there's that UC Davis game they should have won. Uh, they could have won last week against St. Mary's. And a two-game swing this early in the season is the difference between being the very top and the very middle of the conference. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with where the Aggies are. A little bit surprised with where the Wolf Pack is. A little bit lower. But we will see if they can get it rolling um, before conference play. They only play Minnesota-Duluth, Loyola-Marymount and Grand Canyon University before starting conference play. Uh, So hopefully they can uh, pick up some wins there and find their way uh, a little bit higher in the win column before they uh, start conference play. It'll definitely help everybody else out in the conference, especially us when we play and hopefully beat them. Um, So that's it for today's show. I appreciate you listening. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you had a great week. I hope you're enjoying being the Mountain West champions. Uh, Thank you to our football team, and again, congratulations to them. And I hope you're making arrangements to be at that bowl game and supporting the Aggies December 18th. Um, I know that's going to be a good game and uh, a huge one for Utah State. Thanks again for tuning in. Go Aggies!